you're an entrepreneurial public servant, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. And I can't think of a better guest than our guest today. Uh, after serving as editor-in-chief for 20 years, Jan Tuckman now leads content development for engineering news records, wide-ranging series of live and virtual events. She wasn't ready to retire fully and wanted to stay involved with ENR, but she was ready to get off the hot seat of daily deadlines. These major events include groundbreaking women in construction, a career advancement event, Future Tech, which explores the cutting edge of engineering and construction technology, and a newly recast program called the New York, New Jersey Infrastructure Forum. Jan, it is so great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, BJ. It's a, it's a great opportunity. It's, it's uh, like I said, I, I can't think of somebody better. Uh, you've sat at the helm as editor-in-chief of ENR. Uh, you have spent probably most of your professional life helping educate uh, our industry on what's going on, what's new, what projects are working, what's failing out there. Uh, so I am so excited to hear how you, uh, you reach the pinnacle of ENR Magazine, uh, what you're doing now, but first, how did you get started? Well, the story I'd like to tell is that it all started as a child. No, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I recently was with some people who, who did go back into like, when someone asked them that question, they went back into their, when their family came to America. <laughs> but I won't go back. I won't. Well, yeah, if, if it's part of the story, you know, sometimes kids get exposed to, you know, I, I think of Ivanka Trump uh, out on a job site with uh, her father, you know, when she's a kid. So if it influences, do go. Because I was that that's exactly what I was gonna say though. <laughs> I was out I was out on construction sites with my father when I was a kid, who my father was an architect in Akron, Ohio. And and we he took me out on sites on Saturday mornings and I thought like this is so cool and I wanted to be an architect and he thought that architects should be able to draw like you know draw things with you know with pencils and pens and and I so that was not a skill that I had he, he thought oh, I don't think so you're not gonna make it as an architect and he was a little concerned about you know girls going into architecture in that at that time but. But I did end up studying architecture and journalism, and I, I, uh, you know, but but journalism was my thing, and I had the idea of writing about, or journalism writing was my my talent, and I had the idea of, of writing about architecture, and I thought my dream job was working for Architectural Record, which turns out to be a sister publication of Engineering News Record, and when I did get an interview at Architectural Record, and they didn't have any openings, they said why don't you talk to the people across the hall at Engineering News Record? They'll like your news background because I had worked on a small newspaper in Boulder, Colorado, and, which is where I went to school, CU. And, okay. And so I, uh, you know, over a, a course of a little time, they ended up having some openings and they got, got in touch and I got the job and boom, I was in New York working for Engineering News Record. It was like <laughs> happened really fast. Very, very cool. So what was the, what was the role? 
Oh, I was an assistant editor in the buildings department. Okay. And what, what were the types of tasks you were, you were given? Oh, I had to do all kinds of things. You know, we, we were supposed to come up with stories where you were supposed to figure out, you know, like search for stories. And in those days, it was not as easy. It wasn't like going online, you know, because there was no online. It was like looking in the newspapers and the ma in other magazines and talking to people. And of course, getting out in the field. This is something that ENR has been famous for, for its, you know, Ian, you may or may not know it has this like hundred something year history and our goes way back into publications of the 1800s um, other but we have history you know dating back to these other publications and uh, but being in the field going out not just sitting in an office but our you know our forefathers and <laughs> some early women there's some uh, in the 1920s there was a very famous woman um, woman editor of, of NR so anyway um, but yes, getting out in the field in those days was very important to finding those stories. So tell me your favorite interview or, or field visit from the early days. Oh, from the early days. Well, it was pretty far. I mean, when you say famous, I went to, I walked up the Grand Arch Monument when they were building it in Paris. I mean, I'm going to think about, I think about all the exciting international travel, which is one of the reasons that we have people um, who stay a long time at ENR because we we have um, you know feel that it's not just about what happens in this country. You can learn a lot from the innovations and challenges that people have overcome in other countries, and it's not all invented here. And so we get out there and get in the field. And I also you know visited the Bank of China, went to the top of that structure when it was under construction. I visited power plants in in um, uh, Brazil and I visited uh, and I went in to cover the earthquake in 1986, the earthquake in, in Mexico City, the terrible earthquake in Mexico City. I was flying in when everybody else is flying out. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it's been a really exciting career. So fast forward, how did you end up as the editor-in-chief? Ah, well, I did kind of gravitate toward uh, being able to put together teams you know it's all about team building and and being able to figure out what other people are good at and it's not just about what i can write and the stories that i can write but what about these others who you know if this one's good at this and this one's good at that and you know you put together the right team and then you've got a great story also the other thing i think that i was good at was thinking of you know how to put the pieces together when we see all these different things happening in the industry how to be kind of analytical and and, and that you, you see the need for this, the big story and you put that story together and you get the right people on the team and then boom. So, you know, that we can make an impact. That's how ENR has been able to make an impact. So I, I talk about education and innovation and I want to get to innovation next because I know that that's, that's kind of where you're focused. And I think it's, it's a really big part of educating the industry on where technology is going, how our means and methods changing in the field. Uh, but you talked about, you know, people putting the right people in the right places. Uh, you probably have interviewed plenty of people. I think that the entire, um, the success of a project, whether it's a magazine article or a magazine, um, 
publication or a construction project really does come down to the ability to put the right people in the right places to do the right things that they're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big ways to ensure that we're, we're developing people is through education. So talk to me about the elements of a great article and how, how that is helping educate our, uh, our industry. Wow. A great article. Of course, it's the need for the information. That's the, the, the information having value and that, for example, you know, recent stories that ENR has done on the, uh, you know, the vaccine mandate last yeah. year, that, might, that could have been like an all time spike in ENR traffic because people really needed that information. They were, they, they, and, and we were, you know, getting to the right sources and telling the story and trying to, you know, explain the different positions. There were, people did not agree. And we were saying, here's what the government says. And here's what the, this part of the industry says, and here's what a different part of the industry says. And so, you know, you put that all together and you try to be, no one's objective. And I'm not saying that anyone can truly be objective, but we do try to present in the, you know, in the traditional journalistic fashion, we do try to present the different sides of the story and, and put it all together. And, sh- and, and we also show it with, it's not just, um, it's not just words, it's pictures and it's drawings and so, especially with projects, it's drawings and charts and, uh, you know, data. Now we're so data driven. It's as combining the data that people need. Um, so, you, you know, putting all that together in a good presentation in straightforward, simple language um, that is accessible to uh, both professional, the professional and the, and the non-professional audience. Well, which <clears throat> comes with, with the, um, you know, one sector, we, we are the broad industry magazine that you know, puts all the different professions of the construction industry together, the architects, the engineers, the contractors, the owners, um, who have the architect, you know, I, I said that architect, um, people who, uh, the, the different professions, but also the different markets, the water, the power, the buildings, the transportation, and all the different sectors of transportation, and, um, and putting all that together. Uh, so one sector might be common knowledge to the people in transportation, but the people in the building sector aren't familiar with that term. So we're trying to, um, you know, explain things in language that everybody can understand, but also we're trying to, to connect the industry in a way that makes construction feel like we are, we all belong in this industry together and we have a lot of common concerns. Um, along those lines, and because there's professional and, and, uh, maybe not so professional audiences to some of your articles. I I don't know for sure that ENR is the first place I saw this. Um, I know that ACEC, or I, I believe ACEC was who kind of started this uh, America's infrastructure grade and giving it a D minus uh, 10, 10 plus years ago. Um, May I correct you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Because that would be the I, I'm very actively involved with in the American Society of Civil Engineers. Oh, that's what I and ASCE. Not really a rivalry with ACEC because they they deal with the business issues of of you know 
uh, engineers in that in the construction industry, and a SCE deals with more technical topics and technical concerns. But the technical, the safety and and um, you know aging <clears throat> issues of infrastructure have long been a big issue for ASCE and. And I'm uh, the, actually the vice chair right now of the ASCE Industry Leaders Council. And I'll become the chair in October. And, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, uh, and, and we were very, very involved in the <clears throat> Industry Leaders Council, even particularly did write a white paper that ASCE uh, gave to, you know, the this the Congress people working on right. the IIJA, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And uh, that some of that language turned up in the bill. So, uh, so you know, we were, we were right there at, as it was happening. And now we're also working very collaboratively, ASCE that is. I'm saying we in the sense of the ILC and, the, and, and ASCE and... Um, and working to 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 see as the and to help in any way that we can as the to the the rollout and the, of the funds is a big issue and the um, uh, the rulemaking you know the, there's yeah <laughs> the uh, concerns about uh, our they have a there's a the money's coming out and there's a deadline that by which you have to spend the money but do you have the rules for that aspect of the program in time to spend the money follow the rules to spend the money so it's like <laughs> there's some there's some it's not easy it's not there's some challenges out there ENR recently had a an event for top young professionals and we invited the chief engineer of the Arizona DOT I uh-oh, first name Greg, not remembering last name. <clears throat> but he was really, that was, I'm repeating what he said because this was what he was concerned about. Um, but, you know, it's great. Let's, let, let, let us say we're, we're not so worried about the challenges that we are, uh, we're, we're very happy to have this kind of challenge. Right, it's, a, it's a good problem to have. We have the funding now. Right. So now it's on the industry to react and position ourselves. So I was actually curious now that we are funded uh, as an industry, it I've always heard uh, and my bigger concerns are, do we have the capacity to implement and execute and steward that taxpayer investment into our infrastructure? Is it prioritized? And, and are we going to be able to support the nation's call now to, to uh, deliver on that? Well, here's where I can give you my my gray hair uh, perspective because this has come up oh two or three different times when there were these you know a lot of money coming into the industry for whether it was the clean water the beginning of the Clean Water Act or was it the beginning of the you know the um, other, other I'm not saying specific programs but when there were these challenges to the industry and you know what I've seen. The industry responds. This industry, where there's a need, we're going to find a way. Uh, the industry is going to find a way, and and of course, some of this, un, unfortunately, sometimes there would be, you know, the, the it looks like we're going to have this huge need building up and building up, and then something happens, and boom, you know, down comes the economy. Right. So, so 
sometimes the the reason we were able to meet the need was that the need went away. We thought we were going to need so many jobs, and then, you know, it didn't really materialize. Uh, some of it did, but then the bubble bursts. Right. We had a few cases of that, but I don't know. I've just I have a lot of confidence in the abil industry's ability to meet the need. Um. Moving towards, because you're in many leadership roles, you've played many leadership roles, um, you're seeing leadership in the industry from a different perspective. You're leading teams uh, at ENR Magazine, but you're also interacting with leadership teams. Any specific project challenge or leadership interview or leadership lesson that you think is, is your greatest lesson learned uh, in your years in the industry? Uh, well, when people say my my greatest leadership challenge I do, and this was a while back, but sort of at the very beginning of my tenure as uh, as editor in chief, I I became editor in chief at ENR's Award of Excellence event <clears throat> in two thousand one. Okay. So you can imagine what I'm going to be talking about. Along comes September eleventh, and I walk into the office and I see on the, there were TV screens in the lobby and I see the planes, the, the footage of the planes hitting the Trade Center. And so that day, uh, ENR was faced, we had some, some other story on the cover and mm. 2001, it was not impossible, but it was challenging to say that, you know, we, we just had to figure out what we were gonna do with this. Right. Oh, I forgot to say, it's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday, which happens to be then and now our deadline day print <laughs> magazine that was supposed to go to press at six o'clock that night. And it's wow. nine, you know, it was 10 to nine in the morning or something. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And so uh, we, we didn't make that 6 p.m. deadline. But I remember standing in the in the office and everyone was like just sort of standing around me looking at me. <laughs> you know. It was like, okay, Jan, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, you know, it was that, that I think the lesson is to, to trust your, you know, trust your talent, your background. You're here for a reason. You got this job um, and you can do it. And I just rolled into action. You know, you just, you, when, when you see the need and you got to do it, you do it. And I, okay, this is, we're going to pull the cover. We got to, we got, you, you know, you help work on the cover, getting the new cover, you know, here's the people who are going to go down and see if they can get close to the scene. Here's the people that know the sources in the buildings arena. And the, so we just mobilized everyone. A couple of key people wrote the story. Uh, Nadine Post of our staff was very instrumental. And, uh, and in 16 hours, it was like after midnight, there were like three or four of us left who by that time of the night, we were able to go, we took the train home, not the trains going through lower Manhattan, but the right. out to Brooklyn a different way. So, uh, we call that baptism by fire in, uh, in the military. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that, that's pretty awesome. Um, I can only imagine because, you know, the, the ability to not be tone deaf by putting out some, some non nine 11 type of, of cover and, and reacting, uh, and being in New York, how far away from, yeah. from ground zero was your office? Oh, I could, if I had, if I had, I, when I walked into the office, I could 
have seen the smoke from the Trade Center. Had I look, turned my head to look, wow! It, I actually came under the the the, um, the train I was on, opened its doors under the World Trade Center, and they said no one should get off the train uh, because there's a fire in the World Trade Center. And I'm imagining like a fire in a wastebasket or something. Right. Uh, it, I really didn't think that much about it, but someone on the train car got out and looked out. And then it was so, so deserted that he got back on the train. Wow. And the train went on, on up, you know, hmm. but uh, it hadn't collapsed yet. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a terrible. And of course, we were all, you know, worried about our families. For sure. So they, I, literally leadership under duress. I mean, that, that's wow. Uh, but relying on your instincts. I like that. Uh, because we we can uh, tend to question. I think in uh, in high op tempo, which is what we call it in the military again, uh, and sometimes in construction where you're just you're in the action. Uh, sometimes you have no choice but to rely on your instincts. Uh, sometimes when we have too much time and paralysis analysis and we overthink things, we mm-hmm. we're, uh, yeah. we should just stick with our gut. Yeah, and it, it, you know, we've seen a lot of, there's a lot of actual heroism in the industry when things happen and people save other, others' lives. I mean, ENR has a program called the Top 25 Newsmakers, and every year we, we pick 25 individuals who've gone above and beyond their, uh, you know, their day job, we, as we say, to give back to the industry and the public. And so among them... For example, and then we pick one of the 25 to win ENR's Award of Excellence. And the, uh, the winner this year is, uh, was a man named Jim Ansara, who did found Shamit Construction Company, which has grown to be a billion-dollar-plus construction company. But he saw his interests going. He went to Haiti. He had a life-changing experience, went to Haiti uh, after the earthquake there. <laughs> One of the earlier earthquakes there, not the most recent one, but he, he said there's just such a need for hospitals, clinics, healthcare, and he founded a um, Build Health International, which is uh, a, a nonprofit that uh, gives back to to the industry by um, building hospitals and you know in remote areas in the very poorest places of the world. So. He sounds like a must interview for us. Oh yeah, of course, of course. I'd I'd love that connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about current events. You're involved in a number of things. I I know that you are involved in a nonprofit, Bridges to Prosperity. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? Yes, that's that's where I am. The current board chair of Bridges to Prosperity. We um, we build literally build bridges in remote areas of the world. We've worked in 20 different countries, although right now we are working primarily in East Africa, in Rwanda, Uganda, and we just got a new contract to do work in Ethiopia. And we um, build bridges to help people who are isolated, who are in poverty because of rural isolation. And we, we um, come in and build a trail bridge and it gives them access to, gives the community access to health care and education and job opportunities. They can plant crops because they know they're going to be able to get the crops to market. 
and and it has shown that the community's income can increase by as much as 30 percent wow um you, you, rich. yeah and I, I mean, Jill Jamison, who's been a guest here, uh, Duke DeLuca, who we spoke about earlier, uh, I kind of coined the phrase return on infrastructure because that level of investment and what it does for the economy, especially in, in struggling and poor and impoverished areas, uh, just another you know, highlight of how our industry is able to make the world better through the projects that we do. And I do uh, want to mention one thing that I think is really important, which is that we work collaboratively with the community itself, with the local government, which the community provides uh, unskilled labor, the local government provides materials, the, the national government provides uh, funding, and then we come in and bring in uh, some private uh, assistance as well, you know, institutional uh, donors, we have wonderful institutional and private donors, um, and corporations who bring in corporate teams uh, to to um, to assist and come in and build bridges and and donate the money for the bridge and bring staff to the. So this is an opportunity for construction companies and design firms, and we have many many partners who have participated in this in our corporate program. So it's it's really a a, a wonderful life-changing experience for the people who come out to a bridge site we're gonna have to make sure we hit that in the show notes so yeah. that we can uh have people get in touch if I, they're interested here's another person that i suggest want to suggest as a as a um uh, who would make a terrific podcast guest is our ceo the ceo of bridges to prosperity her we just hired our first ceo in east africa and her name is nivi sharma and she's such an interesting person living in Kenya, from Kenya, but moving to Rwanda, which is our base of operations there. And, and she's just got a fascinating background where uh, she was, uh, she's about connections, but in the technology space. So she was working on bringing internet service to people outside of, uh, you know, in more remote communities in different parts of East Africa. And now she's literally, she said, it's just so cool to be working on something that's real. You know, <laughs> they're so real. Yeah. Concrete. Yeah. Um, how did you land there? Oh, how did I get involved in Bridges to Prosperity? Well, um, I, ENR's Top 25 Newsmakers program, one of our newsmakers was Avery Bang, the for previous CEO of Bridges to Prosperity. And so... I came in as the un, the Friends of Avery group. So gotcha. I, I met Avery, she, you know, we got acquainted, we became, you know, sort of mutual admiration society. She's so wonderful. You're so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and then she invited me to be on the board and, and uh, sort of as the, after a, serving like five years in my sixth year, I was elected to be the chair. That's great. Uh, next question, favorite quote? Oh, favorite quote. I, I, I always love the quote. Um, uh, see if you know this one. We must indeed all hang together or most assuredly we shall all hang separately. I, I know the quote, but I don't know who said it. Okay, it was Ben Franklin. Ah, 
I'm a big Ben Franklin fan too. Oh, you are. Uh, my daughter in her high school, they they that her one of her her t- teachers gave out quotes, and they had to pick a quote and find out who said it, and then write about write a report about. So that's ever since then, I've just thought that's just like the best quote because it talks about it's really about collaboration. Totally. Lessons for to all of us because if we don't work together, we're gonna be in trouble. Amen. Uh, moving from quote to must read or most gifted book. Ah, uh, and this is also from uh, my B two P. Uh, book club. We had a we had a book club in Bridges to Prosperity where we had people from all different, you know, our di- we have people in London and in Denver and in Rwanda, Uganda. I'm in New York. You know, we're all over the place, and we're reading a book called Culture Map by Aaron Meyer, M E Y E R E R I N, and it's about the cross. And here we were, this very cross cultural group learning about the um you know cross-cultural challenges and you know things like perceptions of time or who speaks in a meeting you know the people who don't speak up or the people who do and and so much is is uh based on your your you know where you come from yeah right uh and any like major eureka moments from that book oh um well, I think it, it was that, that thing of, of uh, you know, why some people don't say anything in a meeting. And, and you're just feeling like, why, why are they so quiet? Why don't they speak up? And, you know, you realize that it's really their, their background is to wait until you call on them. So, you know, you have to be sensitive to that and, you know, as a, as a leader. Yeah, you have to bring them in and facilitate them into the conversation. Understood. Uh, dead or alive, if you could hang with three people for a day, who would they be? What would you do? Oh, okay. Uh, well, I think Ruth, I, the first person I want to talk to is, is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I love the idea that you can reach out to people who aren't here anymore and say, what, what advice would she have to the current court? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, of course, then I have to uh, put on that list Paul McCartney because he was my first heartthrob. So, you know, how could I pass up a chance to get <laughs> Paul McCartney? And then, but my, where, where my heart really is, is that if I had a chance to talk to somebody who's not here anymore, it would be my father. Uh. My father, the architect, who died too young and missed so much including his granddaughter, never knowing that he had a granddaughter. So I'd love to have another day with him. Hmm. Um, and then the last question, you, you've already kind of talked to us about um, who would make a great podcast guest. Who inspires you? Uh, um, I Again, I'm picking the one of ENR's this year's top 25 newsmakers because she just just blew me away and her name is Lorna Kenna. She's uh, the vice president and general manager of Jacobs Space Operations Group and she is currently running the exploration ground systems team for NASA's Artemis program at Kennedy Space Center. So she's in charge of the people putting the pieces together of the Artemis rocket. I mean, this is a construction company, and it, but it has a space operations division, Jacobs. And, 
And the Artemis program, I don't know if you've heard about it, maybe you have, because you have military orientation, but there, uh, this is America's next mission to the moon, and they, she, uh, and, and there, the, the goal is to put the first woman and the first person of color on the moon. And they have some overambitious deadlines that people are, you know, kind of, oh, they're not going to make it, but they, it's not about making it, I think, in 2024 or 2025. But if, you know, if you, but we're working on it and we're going to try to get there. And I, I just think there's so much to be learned from, from going, going places and learning things. I agree. Well, good luck to Lorna. The, the next U.S. moonshot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty amazing. Uh, you've been in the industry. Uh, you've seen so many different perspectives. Uh, what would you like your legacy to be? Oh, my legacy to the industry. Wow. Um, well, you know, I, I, I feel like I've, you know, put a lot that ENR has it makes such a difference. And, you know, here I've been, I, I think that I've been really probing the future making every, you know, concentrating on um, what's going to come down the pike and looking at, you know, looking at the, the many possible futures that are out there. There's so much that we've written about technology and, uh, and we put it all together. And I think that's, that's a key thing that I'd like to be remembered for. Um, speaking of that, I, I, Totally forgot to ask the question about the, the innovation that you've been working on. What, what is the most innovative thing you see coming down the pike? Oh, <laughs> well, um, I have, this is something I've been watching since I was even in college. They've been talking about fusion, fusion power. And hmm. I, you know, when it really happens, it's going to change everything. It's, it would be like the internet. It's going to change everything. And the fact that now, I mean, it's always been 20 years away and then 20 years away and then the 20 years go by and it's still 20 years away, but there's been some real progress now. There's the, the team working, uh, the team leaders. But anyway, there is a, there's a, there's a small, they've, improved the magnet technology to such an extent that these these you know that like there's the uh the international um fusion reactor team under construction in france it's this enormous and enormously expensive uh reactor and it is making it's had some successful tests and it's making a lot of progress but 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 jumping ahead sort of leapfrogging over with these new, more powerful magnets is this uh, test reactor that's under construction somewhere near Boston, (laughs) let us put it that way. (laughs) And with a, a, you know, actually there are a whole team of universities, including I heard Columbia is also on the team working on that. And, uh, And they've just, they had a successful test. They created, they had a burst of creating fusion power wow that was like whoa this is it's happening i've been waiting my whole (laughs) professional life to see this thing happen and i think it might be it will actually happen 
That's like awesome. It. So very watch, cool. Watch for that one because that's going to change everything. I am, and and we will click on the show notes if there's any ENR articles uh, yeah, talking awesome. about that. Perfect. Uh, closing remarks. Any challenges to the industry or or inspiration to our our audience? Uh, challenges to the industry. Well, I think the challenge, of course, is that things get so, there's so much div division. I think we have to, the challenge is, is working together, is collaborating, is being willing to hang together, you know? <laughs> and there's so much that we have to work on together that um, whether, you know, you're an architect or an engineer, whether you're a owner or a contractor, and it's, it's the, it's the idea that we're, we're, we're in this together. And when we work collaboratively, we can succeed. I appreciate that so very much. And Jan, we appreciate your time so much. Uh, thanks for your service to the industry through ENR and, and your many roles in uh, the many associations. But most of all, thank you for joining us on Inspiring People and Places. Thank you, VJ. It was great to be here. Very fun to talk to you. You also. And, and we'll have to give a shout out to Matt Handel for making the introduction. So Matt Handel, help everybody every day. Thank you so much for uh, introducing us to Jan. Thank, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Matt. Take care, Jan. Hey, everybody, if you're enjoying the show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants. Be sure to visit our website at www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter and learn about all the projects that we're doing and the way that we look at the world. Until next time, have a great day and a great weekend. Thanks.